aliens landed on Earth, what do you hope they look like? I kind of hope they look like like the classic little green man. Oh no, that's scary. I don't like that. If I get to choose anything, I'd want them to be one of two things. Either they look like animals we know. Uh-huh. They're like all cats. <laughs> <laughs> or like raccoons. Yeah. If it was like a spaceship full of raccoons, I'd be down with that. Okay, yeah. Or they look like food that we know, like pies. Aliens are just pies? Yeah, they're like just pies with pies. legs? I don't know, whatever. Okay. Maybe faces, and they have like mouths. Mm. The crust lifts up, and they're like, hey, I'm blue. Where are <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Those would be my picks. Little green men would be so scary. No, I think that would be great. Wouldn't you rather have um, like a cheeseburger invading? Yeah. Just a bunch of cheeseburgers? Oh, I could go for a cheeseburger right now. And then if they uh, were evil and tried to kill us, we could just eat them up. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers it is. Invading cheeseburgers. Welcome everyone to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. We are members of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. My name is Indy Earl Grade T. Randawa, and with me is Samantha IPA Randawa. I almost Randawa. said Hughes. Randawa. Welcome back to the second episode of Being Married. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, those are our drinks. Yeah, today. what we are doing. You know what? Like we they're not an official sponsor, but we can give a shout out to SYC Brewing because yes. we love their work. Yes. You like the you're drinking a first timer IPA. I am, and you love their stay golden blonde. blonde. It is one of the best blondes around, I think. Yeah. Uh, both of which were featured at our wedding. Yeah. Did we mention we're married? And that we had a giant beer selection at our <laughs> wedding. <laughs> Today we are going to be talking about the 1951 film, The Day the Earth Stood Still. It was my pick because we take turns picking movies that the other hasn't seen. So we're going to talk all about that. But before we get into it, let's thank our first sponsor of the episode. And our first sponsor of the episode today is the Alberta Treasury Branch. And at ATB, they make banking work for you. With expert and practical advice in everyday banking and investment planning expertise and management services with ATB Wealth, you can be confident you're making smart choices when it comes to your money. They have a history of doing what's right for their clients, especially when times are tough, because ATB was built to help Albertans. For more information on the Alberta Treasury branch, visit atb.com. Woohoo! All right, Sam. Let's get into it. I saw The Day of the Earth Stood Still probably when I was 17, 18, around then. Okay. I don't think I've seen it again since. No. I said I loved it, and I'll go on to say, like, yeah, no, this is a great movie. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. But, Samantha, I love this movie. Did you? Um, I liked it. It was good. You know what? I'll take that. On a black and white 50 sci-fi <laughs> you liked it and i think that's that's yeah good. no i liked it it was good it had some fun moments and uh yeah it was nice it was nice <laughs> so so do you have some opening thoughts what did you think about this movie overall what did you like what didn't you um i thought some of the plot was a little basic okay um like some of the storylines could have been like flushed out a little bit more, like the diamonds and like I don't know. I feel like I'm used to longer movies now where there's right. more time to like 
do little side stories. So I feel like there's a couple places there where, like, if this were a movie made now, it would obviously be very different. But It would be three hours long. It would be three hours long, but we'd have time to, like, learn about diamond mining in space and that kind of thing and what makes those gems so different. No, I get what you mean, and I feel like there's a lot of things they put out there, and you're like, wait, wait a minute, what about that? Yeah, like, I want to know more about this. I want to know more about Gork. Is that his name? Gort. Gort. (laughs) But then, if this movie had a five-minute explanation of, like, how you give change on a diamond, I'd be like, why the fuck's that in there? I don't care about that. Get Uh, back to the main plot. True. I didn't really care about how you give change on a diamond. (laughs) I I did want to know more about, like, because they take the time to say, like, this gem is unlike anything I've ever seen before. Right. So I'm like, what makes it different? What's space diamond versus earth diamond? Or just where does he come from? Yeah. I kind of like that they left pretty much everything vague. Mm -hmm. Because if you gave some information, you'd have to uh, flesh out that world a little bit more. But because they gave very little, and it's mostly just about the conflict of him being on Earth on this day, uh, the day the Earth stood still, (laughs) that I didn't really need that extra information. I Mm -hmm. like to think about it. Right. But I don't get upset about the movie not telling me more. Yeah, I I just could have used a little more. I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. It is a, I don't want to say superficial because this movie does have some some deep meaning yeah. and that's kind of the strength of the movie. But a lot of the screenwriting is, yeah, is on the surface. It is basic in a lot of ways. And I think that allows that extra meaning to, to shine through because it's mm-hmm. not convoluted like a, a movie today would be about... Well, let me tell you about the politics of this robot police force. And, yeah. But I want to know more. I, I Is it a good thing that a movie leaves me wanting more? I because just felt like it wasn't fully fleshed out. I get what you're saying. It felt like they wrote like 70% of the script and we're just like, okay, well, let's film. Like, it felt like I needed just a little bit more backstory. Just in a few places. <laughs> I get you. I don't need like a four hour Marvel movie level of like backstory on that sets up all of these rules and then breaks them later on exactly (laughs) or the entire backstory is this movie on its own like i don't need that i just wanted to know a few more things just to make him seem a little bit more like extraterrestrial yeah because he is like a dude yeah for the most part exactly (laughs) for most of the movie he's a dude and i kind of had to remind myself that he was like an alien Mm -hmm. so i was like i don't really understand why he's like special right but i don't know maybe he needed like magical powers or something well he does kind of but we'll get into all of that and we'll get into a lot of things and if you uh, can't tell already we do spoilers in these episodes so that's what also the movie is uh 71 years old so yeah if you haven't seen it (laughs) um but one thing i did want to ask you before we start breaking things down is this type of movie, this 1950s sci-fi, is something that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. But did you have some kind of idea of what this would look like? Um, Yeah, I thought there might be a little bit more like, I say it in quotes, but like special effects. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I thought there would be a little bit more of that, a little bit more like of that like classic blasting gun noise. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought um, there might be just like, a few more aliens in this. Yeah. 
Well, let's, I'm going to give a little bit of context for a few things, and then we can get into uh, kind of the heart of the discussion. Awesome. So first, as a science fiction movie, I think this movie is pretty special because it was one of the first sci-fi movies that tried to be sci-fi but aimed at adults. Okay. Because there were a lot of sci-fi movies before then. You could argue the first film, like movie, was a sci-fi movie in a Journey to the Moon, Trip to the Moon, the Meyers movie. Whatever it's called. It's in French. Okay. Um, yeah, that sounds like it would be a sci-fi movie. Yeah. And that is from the 1910s. Oh, okay. So sci-fi has been around as long as filmmaking has been around. But for the most part, it was your Buck Rogers type things mm-hmm. and uh, adventures for kids. And I think this movie was really important. I don't think we would have Star Trek or Star Wars if this hadn't paved the way that saying that you can be serious and sci-fi. Mm, yeah, okay. And a lot of it isn't terribly serious, or mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to take seriously because we associate these sound effects, these flying saucers with kind of like silly things, B-movies. Sure. And this isn't a big budget movie, but it's not like a super low it's budget B-movie yeah. either. It's kind of in the middle, but it's trying to do something serious, which I think is is kind of important. And I think a lot of this movie seems like a cliche. The music... The spaceman in the helmet, calling him a spaceman. Yeah. Uh, the take me to your leader, the robot, the flying saucer. But this movie is much more of a pioneer. It made those cliches. Right. Because I think there were, of course, flying saucers in the past. But this design is iconic and was emulated in a lot of movies. That's a classic flying saucer. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is where it comes from. Hmm. Uh, theremins were used in movies before. I think the first use might have been in, oh, what's it called? The drunk one, um, Lost Weekend. Okay. Which is 45. It's been a long time since uh, film class. Oh, wow. 1945, maybe. But this type of sound and its association with sci-fi comes from here Okay. That's fun. And just like all of this aesthetic, this is the one creating it more than it is the one following in some sort of cliche. Hmm. So it's a really important movie in that way. But it's weird because I've shown you a few movies where I say like, no, this isn't cliche. This made it. But this is creating something that has since come and gone. Right. Like it already, it's it's old, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea of this type of sci-fi is something we don't really see so much anymore. Um, it was kind of neat to see, like, when we watched, um, what was the last one that we did? Step Up 3D. No, I mean the last, uh, like, genre movie. Well, I guess I did some horror not too long ago. Or do you have something, is it an, an older movie? Yeah, the last older movie that we did. Oh, like some film noir, Double Indemnity? Yes, Double Indemnity. So there were definitely some things that I recognized from, like, newer movies Mm -hmm. that kind of stood out yes so that was kind of neat to be able to do that again and although this of course not a film noir it is not far from that time so we do get some of those aesthetic choices like Mm -hmm. when they're in the ship and you see the the shadows cast on them that came through the grating and things like that which is then uh once we do alien and aliens that's (laughs) uh very present in there okay yeah so things from this movie are taken I don't think a Star Trek the series would exist as it is without this movie. Okay, This that's idea fair, yeah. of these uh, utopias on other places, but then there's like a dark side to it. That's such a part of Star Trek, the, both the series and the movies. 
and I think this is is the pioneer for all of that. Huh, that's crazy. It was based on a short story. The short story has very little to do with what this is, so I'm not even going to talk about it. It's called um, Farewell to the Master, I think. It's all right. It's fine. Huh, it's um, okay. 40s sci-fi, and it's kind of fun, but it's very, very different from this, so it pretty much has nothing to do with it. Okay. And then context-wise, we should just set up when this came out. It was in 1951, so this is post-World War II America, and kind of the height of American exceptionalism. The, we are special, we have done this, and no one can stop us. Wow. That's kind of the the thinking. Uh, This is also the height of the Red Scare, all of the McCarthyism, the fear that the communists are coming to take your way of life, that your neighbor might be one of them. They can look like anything. Right, they're hiding among us. Yeah, that was such a prevalent idea that I think we don't... uh, we don't realize how big it was. And I think in the last couple of years of COVID time of us being inundated with weird conspiracy theories, yeah, people being turned against their neighbors for seemingly no reasons, just misinformation, really. True. We have gotten kind of the first idea of what McCarthyism could have been like to live mm, through, I think. Okay. I think. I wasn't alive then. Neither of us were. No. But that's what I kind of feel like. But that that's a good point. You make a very good point. And because this is came out the year that the Rosenbergs were executed. So this is really the height of, uh, of the, all this communist fear. And I think that is really present in the movie. You always bring it back to communism. Do I? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt like a funny thing to say. <laughs> it's probably come up a lot. Probably. And any movie I talk about from the 50s, it is it's going to be about communism in some way. True. It's funny, this should be uh, maybe an essay I write, but the um, communists as actual villains in movies had a much shorter time frame than a lot of other villains. Hmm. Like we go back to um, to Arabs a lot more, just any other like dark-skinned foreign person will go right. back to that way more than we do the Russians. Right. The Russians had, did have a resurgence in the 80s in as villains in movies, but they were more symbolic a lot of the times. They are the mm. villains in uh, in sci-fi movies when there's no actual humans. It's kind of a, an allegory for the communist oh. threat. But I did write a paper once about the changing face of the villain in American cinema. Mm. And you'd think as much as they hated the Russians for so long, they would be a bigger a bigger threat. But you, you have your Rocky and whatnot, but it's not nearly as much as you'd think for the amount of time they hated them. And same with the Nazis. They got over hating the Nazis in film much quicker. But then again, Americans kind of got over hating Nazis because right now they kind of love them. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) But you know what? That's a different paper for a different day. So let's get back on track because I will just talk about that for a long time. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize out there, everyone. Let's talk about The Day the Earth Stood Still. Perfect. It's a movie. It is. And we watched it. The end. <laughs> Have you seen many sci-fi movies that are more modern? I don't know that like Guardians of the Galaxy counts. Because at this point, Marvel is kind of its own genre. Yeah. Did you see like uh, Independence Day? No. Really? Oh, I thought that was a, a pretty big one. But I guess that's already 22 years old yeah. as well. Yeah, wow. and that goes back to a time when I wasn't really watching much other than Bring It On. Right. <laughs> And Bride Wars. Because I want to talk a little bit about the difference between this movie and other mm-hmm. sci-fi movies. When I talk about sci-fi, what do you 
think of? What kinds of movies do you like sci-fi? Um, I think it's an interesting concept. I think I saw the Star Trek movie with... Like the newer reboot. Was like Chris Pine in okay, it? Okay, sure, yeah. Yeah, okay, so that's definitely the, the like years of Star Trek that I know. Okay. Um, so that is kind of what I've seen. I think... Is there like an Aliens movie with Jodie Foster in it? Contact? Yes. Yeah. I saw Contact. And we watched Arrival together as well. Yes. And what's the one where there's like the cornfield and aliens? Oh, I think you're talking about Signs. Yes, I saw Signs. Okay. That's an interesting selection, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, both Contact and Arrival I like because they're they're grand. I really mm-hmm. liked Arrival. I have to rewatch Contact. But I think what I liked about this movie, like I was saying, it was one of the first sci-fis trying to take itself seriously. But what was so different about this, and maybe a lot of the ones that you've seen, is that in most of the movies, especially all of the movies of this time, aliens come and they start attacking. And then right. it's us up to us to to fight back. And I liked how in this movie it flips it and it's just a guy... Who says, we come in peace, and then they shoot him. Yeah. That's how it starts. And then he's on the run pretty much for the rest of the movie. Yeah. It's interesting, um, because you're right. Most of the time, it's like, the aliens come, and we don't understand what they want. And mostly what they want is to just shoot people. Yeah. And so... There's like most of the movie is taken up being like, I don't understand why they're doing this. I don't understand what they want. How do we communicate with them? And like that's the main point of the story. Whereas mm-hmm. here it's like we need to like communicate with him and he's among all the people. And so there is no like immediate threat except for the threat. Or they think there they is. They think though. there is yeah. a threat. But, like, the people who he ends up meeting and talking to and stuff are like, oh, this is, like, a calm being. So they're not, like, super scared. Right. The The threat is, of course, humanity. Yes. In, in this movie. And we should watch Independence Day. I probably haven't seen it since I was, what, 14 when mm-hmm. it came out or, or whatever. And... It's kind of like the opposite of this movie because they're kind of, they're really similar tales, but flipped. Like Independence Day believes all of that American exceptionalism and mm. the day there still doesn't. Independence Day says like, yes, we are the best. We deserve every advantage because there's no one like us. Right. And the day there still says like, no, we're um, arrogant, short-sighted and lucky. <laughs> that, that's why we are where we are. Right. So it's it's very opposite in that way. And I think this movie was very opposite from so much that came out at the time. It's really interesting, the differences between like, oh, they're attacking us and we have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. And this one, which is just like, if you just sit and listen. Yeah. Which like you were talking about communism and like fear of the unknown that was happening in the 1950s. It's like... If you just, like, talk to someone with different ideals than you, then, like, you may actually learn. Yeah. Because still to this day, if you say, like, socialism, uh-huh. everyone's like, no, that's that's evil. That's what the worst thing is. That's go. Um, that's who kills everyone. And then I'm like, no, I'm, I'm a socialist. That's what I believe. I lived in a socialist country for a while. It was great. And it just <laughs> meant we had a high minimum wage and uh, free health care and education. It was yeah. pretty nice. Yeah. But that's... 
if you just sit and listen. But then again, we're everyone's probably turning off right now because they're like, oh, there's like, fucking oh, Tommy over here. Dirty socialists. <laughs> but let's talk about, like you were talking before, about the reaction of people to Klaatu in this because that's kind of... That's the commentary on American society mm-hmm. is everyone's reaction to to him and to this uh, possible threat. Because right off the beginning, they land. And first, I don't know about you, but when the saucer lands and him and Gort come out, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's fucking awesome. That looks yeah. great. No, it looked so cool Like that the ship like opens like that because you don't see any obvious doors. And so I loved the kind of special effect of the ship just, like, completely opening and then the army not being able to find any, like, seams or entrance points. That's so cool. Yeah, that's such a great little touch. And I know we were talking about something else, but let's diverge for a moment (laughs) and just talk about the design of that spaceship because I love it so much. And it was actually designed by uh, famous architect Frank Lloyd Wright. That's so cool. And, you know, me and my architecture books, I love looking at them. And this came out in 51. So that was a real transitionary period from for uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, Mm -hmm. going from like rounded stuff that he had earlier into more... Angular? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. And if you look at the outside of the spaceship, you're like, oh, yeah, that's all of his old stuff. And then you look at the inside, and it looked very much kind of like the um, the Guggenheim edition that he did. Yeah. It reminded me of that a lot. I've been to the Guggenheim. So I feel you know. so I feel so proud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it totally did. So I think it's like an important movie architecturally, too, because we get a little bit of history of Frank Lloyd Wright's um, transition period. It's very cool to see that but then again i'm like astronomy i'm a very casual uh, architect fan right. so i may be very wrong in saying all of that but that's what i think so back to those reactions he says we come in peace and then they shoot him because yeah of course yeah and then he says uh, we have information concerning the existence of humanity get all of your world leaders together and everyone's like nah First of all, the secretary guy's like, nah, they wouldn't be into it. And then it turns out like, yeah, they're not into it. Yeah. And I think when I first saw this movie, I was like, that's so stupid. Why would, of course, everyone would come out. There's an alien? Like, yeah, we would get together for that. That's that's lazy writing. They're manufacturing conflict. Yeah. And now in uh, 2022, after a few years of the COVID pandemic, I'm like, yeah, of course no one would get together. No. They would be like, fuck you, whatever. Screw you, alien. We're better than that. And I think that's what would happen now. They're just trying to voice their alien ideals on us. Yeah. Or they would go like, no, that's just like a ploy by the Americans so they can do whatever. We wouldn't trust it and it wouldn't go over well, which is like real sad to (laughs) realize. So sad. This whole thing has made me very sad, pandemic-wise. But, I mean, here we are. Here we are. Let's talk about aliens. Well, (laughs) we're not going to, though, because this movie is just a mirror of 1950s America. And what is sad and painful is that if this movie came out today, I would say it's too heavy-handed for making fun of us over the last couple of years. But it came out 71 years ago. Which is sad, and the old saying, history repeats itself, is uh, very true, because, whoa, is history repeating itself. (sighs) Now I'm sad. This this episode has made me very sad. And I think this movie, like, if you think about it, will make you sad, Mm -hmm. because... 
I think ultimately ends on a hopeful note because you think people are going to get it together. Yeah. So I think the movie isn't, but watching it now, knowing that we've had 72 years or whatever it is, and we're not any better. Mm-mm. That's that's sad. That is sad. We're just real dumb. Ugh. But with humans. <laughs> <laughs> we really are. Um, I like that scene where he comes into that boarding house and they're talking about, oh, in the spaceman, nobody's seen his face. And then he walks in and he's all shadowy. Yeah. That was On a the good nose, entrance. But cool. That I was love a it. very good entrance yeah. of just like he appears as that line happens. <laughs> and then when they're all sitting around talking about the spaceman, one lady's like, oh, he's not from space. We know where he's from. And that means, of course, that he's Russian and he's just a Russian spy. Right. And again, when I watched this movie, I years ago, I yeah. thought, like, were people actually that stupid that they would think an alien spacecraft is just Russians? But now um, we yes. have a virus that kills people and people legitimately believe that Bill Gates is working with phone companies to put 5G and control you? Yeah, that there's microchips, so then you'll be able there's to There's microchips be, in the vaccine, right? Which right. work with 5G yeah. to make you a government puppet. Yeah, so now <laughs> that lady believing it's a, a Russian spy seems downright plausible compared to what people I meet on the street yeah, believe. Yeah, 100%. So I literally sucks. just like, like word jumbled that whole thing that whole like sentence of like 5g and towers and it's just well, that's like how the logic is you know those like word clouds mm-hmm. that's basically what i just did i think that's what they do i think, I think so. there's a few um i'm quoting uh, news sources that that's what they do as well <laughs> true and then somebody else at the table says like oh he wants something like you don't come to a place without wanting to take something and then my thought was like, what? Of course you do. I do that all the time. Yeah. And then I realized that these are all um, white Americans and everything in their lives has been like, yeah, we go somewhere and we take it over. So why would they do any different? Yeah. It's the like us against them mentality. Yeah. They feel like, well, exploration is for colonization. That's the only mm-hmm. reason for it. They don't really believe in exploration for the sake of exploration a lot of the time because that's all they've known. Whoa, man. Yeah. This, oh, man. This is making me sad. This is sad. This movie is clever, though. <laughs> but I do like how often Klaatu is, like, talking to people or looking at them. Just like, you fucking idiots. Why would you think that? It's true. He has some really good moments where he's like... Stupidity. St- We've learned to live without it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, wow, humans are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like, his face for a large portion of the movie. He's just like, I don't understand how you're still alive. <laughs> I Yeah, I feel like that a lot of the time. I'm just like, wow. But I do feel like that sometimes when I talk to people. Yeah. And I'm just like, how do you survive in the world? How, how do, do you, you feed yourself? How do you go about your business? <laughs> <laughs> Being that like frantic. <laughs> but going back to talking about the that oh, era. Yes. <laughs> um so many of these Red Scare era sci-fi movies, there's this constant fear of communists taking over and that manifests itself in this fear of the unknown and people who might look like you and take away what you believe is rightfully yours. Uh-huh. And this is one of those few films that takes a second to think about that and not just go into the idea of, uh, 
oh, it's different from us. We must kill it. So it's effectively like going against what so many other movies of the time were perpetuating. Right. So it, um, they really took a, took a risk here, especially mm-hmm. in that time. And because of that, they did have censors on set all the time because they were, they kept saying that this was a uh, socialist propaganda. Oh yeah. Because the, the propaganda is we should get along. And to you a lot of people, that is propaganda. socialist. Right? Go back to our Bob, Bob Marley episode. <laughs> yeah. People tried to kill him because he said we should love everyone. <laughs> but what does he want? Much like a certain carpenter we might talk about later. Oh, interesting. Do you see all the Jesus stuff? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's it's heavy in this it's one. Heavy. But we'll get there. <laughs> I figured you'd bring it up first before I brought it up. Yeah. So I didn't. <laughs> So like I was saying, they had censors constantly like watching them so that they weren't a bunch of communists. Right. And the one thing that they did make them change, though, is very Jesus-y as well. When he is resurrected, they made them put in the line, only the Almighty Spirit has the power to give life. They forced that line in there because it seemed anti-Christian to have him be resurrected without giving thanks to God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Exactly. No, that's You would have fit in. That sucks. I hate it. I hate it so much. (laughs) Censorship at this time was a lot of fun. Right through the 40s, too. All that Hays Code stuff. We'll get there eventually. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting into the era of filmmaking where I actually studied in school because all the other stuff is just stuff i like right but 1919 through like 1951 era that's Uh what i studied the most of so i know a lot of the the production stuff at that time and i think when we watched the trailer you mentioned that like is that alien just some guy yeah (laughs) that was like i wish he looked a little bit more alien but then i guess the story wouldn't work but yeah it just like Forever throughout the movie, it was just like, oh, right, he's an alien. He's not from Earth. He's an alien. And I had to just keep like reminding myself of that because it wasn't obvious. And I think probably a lot of it is budget and technology. You can't have him look like an alien. You can't do a lot of weird makeup things. They just don't weren't able to do that at the time. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also a Cold War thing. I think... The idea that anyone could be an evil alien mm-hmm. slash communist right. was like a big part of things at the time. And the idea that they could walk among us and want to take away our way of life, that was really prevalent. So I think it is a deliberate choice to make him look like just anyone. Right. Fair. Like <laughs> communists can be anyone. Yeah, because I think the idea of alien was a lot more ideological Mm -hmm. than physical at this time right because this was even when we're like oh yeah we're not even worrying about you know killing black people like we usually are (laughs) we although still still i gotta say though for a movie from 51 that has shots from around the world nothing terribly racist no and there was a relatively strong uh, female presence in it as well. Yes, I was Well, single character, not like a lot of representation, but one good one. One out of like, yeah, the, the five main characters. That's true, yeah. But still, there were, there were women and they weren't shown as like non-beings. Yeah, and she, for the most part, could get shit done. Yeah, I liked her. Yeah, she was good. 
There was at one point where you said, like, why is no one else going on that elevator? Why is only the alien thinking about it? And I had to tell you, like... Oh, I forgot. What, that's because like... um, a black person just came off of it. It's either a blacks-only elevator or it's probably a servant's elevator. Mm, yeah, no, and I, I, my brain just didn't go there. But this movie... Uh, of course, depicts how things are at the time. Mm-hmm. But the alien at least seems above all of that. Yes. And she seems all right with it. Yeah. She's like, hey, elevator nobody wants to use? <laughs> Earlier lunch for me. <laughs> and the shots they did have in like Calcutta or whatever uh-huh. wasn't horribly racist. No, I was impressed with that. <laughs> because today things are... Like we were watching Superstore, the TV mm-hmm. show the other day. And they're like, oh, and now let's cut to our store in india and for some reason it's like an outdoor market or it's a lit like it's so so hot but it's just it's a superstore it's a supermarket it should be like it would look exactly the same it's literally yeah like walmart's all over the world like they look exactly the same and during that beginning sequence as well most of those newscasters were actual people of the time so it lent some sort of a gravity and like truthfulness to it Mm -hmm. true Oh, you recognize them? What? <laughs> Did you hear what I said? I got lost halfway through. <laughs> but you agree, so that's good. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay. Uh, I was just saying that they were real newscasters. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize they were real newscasters, but I they felt like newscasters of the time. Yeah. Because they were. Because they were. But I thought they seemed very professional and they had that, what was it? Is it transatlantic? Yeah, I don't think these ones did it as much as the uh, narrator in the trailer did. Yes, because that seemed like that, like, here's the latest news. Um, But they definitely sounded like they were from the time, which they were. When he takes, what's the little boy's name? Billy? Or do I just call every little boy in a 50s movie Billy? Bobby. Bobby. Oh, his name is Bobby. So when they take, uh, when he takes Bobby to see the ship and there's the newscaster going like, oh, what do you think? And I love that he says, it's the biggest spaceship I've ever seen. Because, yeah, of course, it's the only one you would think. Yeah, exactly. But when they ask uh, Mr. Carpenter, as he's going by then, John Carpenter, J.C., What do you think? And are you really afraid? And he says, I'm fearful when I see people substituting fear for a reason. <laughs> and I'm like, again, on the nose, yeah. too heavy handed, but it's too heavy handed for my life. So I guess it's not that bad. Not heavy handed. It's predictive. Yeah. It predicted where we would be. Or I guess we just haven't changed in the 50, 70 years. I don't think we've changed. Yeah. I think. That's like when everyone says, like, man, Simpsons predicted this. And it's like, no, Simpsons didn't predict anything. They satirized what was wrong with their world. And we just haven't learned in 30 years. Yeah. But um, back to... (laughs) Wow, this has gotten to be a real preachy episode. This is real dark. (laughs) Um, But I love that he says that. And I love that the reaction from the newscaster, the reporter, is like, oh, that's enough out of you. And he just moves away. This is like, fuck you, buddy. It's so like, oh, oh, here's some, some other people. Because <laughs> we don't want to talk to you. And I love when he's talking to the scientist guy. Like, oh, yeah, get all the scientists together. You're the smartest people. And the scientist says, like, yeah, but people don't really listen to us scientists. <sighs> Which at the time I first saw this is like, why wouldn't they listen to the scientists? The 50s were crazy. And now, yeah, we don't listen to scientists. Too close to home. <laughs> Way too close to home right now. Yeah, I saw that and I had a little like shiver of like, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> still. Yep. Rough. 
And then the boyfriend guy, when he's going to sell out Klaatu, he said, I don't care about the rest of the world. I want my name in the paper. Yeah. Which, again, yeah, that's how people are. And they and still he's are. like, oh, and I'll get a promotion and I'll be like big time yeah. job. And it's not what you want to marry. And she's like, no. no. <laughs> and then in the end, when they find him, they just straight shoot him in the back when he's running away. Which is wild to me. Yeah. that That's how like this... You think of this fun, crazy sci-fi movie with a big robot, and it is harsh and dark. It is harsh and dark. And you get to really see, like, the worst parts of humanity at this point. This is a sad episode, I think. Yeah, this is a surprisingly sad movie, When the more you think about it. So we see all those bad, these bad parts of humanity. But his goal is before he judges us, kind of, mm-hmm. and this is a thing that they do on a, a lot of sci-fi movies and a lot of episodes of Star Trek, <laughs> where he wants to go amongst the people and learn from them and and uh, gain some knowledge. Right. Figure out, like, how and why and who. Yeah. So he meets mostly um, Bobby and his mom. Do you think- Helen. Helen. I never knew what her name yeah. was. I know the actress, but not her. Uh, do you think he changes? I don't know that he changes, but I think that he finds people he can, like, be around or, like, understands how to be with those people. Whereas with the rest of the world, I don't think he really understands how he could, like, be among them. Mm-hmm. Whereas with them, he's, like, able to kind of let his guard down a little bit. I think he does change. I just don't think it's drastic, and I don't think it, it's how it would be if that movie were made today. Mm-hmm. Because I think if the movie were made today, he would absolutely fall in love. Yes. Or he would be like, oh, now I see the beauty of humanity. You people are beautiful. Right. That's not what happens here. He meets two people that he can stand. Yeah. And he gets to see kind of the innocence from from Bobby. But where Bobby takes him... He also takes them to the cemetery and says so all, all these people were killed in wars. Yeah. So it's not like Bobby is just a straight campaigner for the sign, side of humanity is good, please save us. Uh... Bobby is kind of, he's, he's like Klaatu. He's innocent. He's looking at everything with open eyes. And I like when Klaatu says, uh, oh, we don't, we don't have wars. We've gotten rid of those long ago. And Bobby goes, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> I love Some of that. Bobby's little lines are hilarious and so like, like a child, very idealistic. And it's the filmmaker's way of like putting that in there. Like, it is a good idea. We could do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's an option. Yeah. But I think he does change because at the beginning... When he's talking to that, um, whoever the government liaison he's talking to mm-hmm. is. And that guy seems like a good guy. Yeah. He's a nice guy. He has things together. And he's saying, like, not that, uh, oh, we're going to kill you, you terrible alien. What yeah. are you, a communist? He's saying, we want to help you. We want to work with you. But these are the restraints us humans are under just because, like, we're not where you are. Yeah. And he realizes that. And he's a smart guy. But he's met with, like, the, the lines about uh, we've gotten rid of that kind of stupidity. Right. We don't have the patience for it. Yeah. But as Klaatu meets Bobby mostly as uh, on a personal level, he talks to him much more kindly and I think has a much more kind disposition because of that. Yes. I don't think his ultimate message changes, but I think at mm. the beginning he's, he's kind of like this Old Testament god. He's going to be like, you need to get in line or we will smite you. 
Yeah. That's how it is, and I can do it. I, do you see Gort? Do you see that guy? I can do whatever I want. Yeah. He kind of has more arrogance at the beginning, I'd say. True. Not a lot, but he comes off like a bit of a dick a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But he's right to be a dick because we're the fucking worst. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. But as he goes through his time with Bobby, he goes from Old Testament God to uh, a Jesus figure. Right. And I guess we can talk about that now. <sighs> Should just get all all out in one sentence, yeah, because it's pretty clear. Um, He arrives. He takes the name John Carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. His initials are also JC now. Um, He dies when the government in power uh, turns against him. Despite his message of peace, he has a message that people that are in power can't understand. But Mm -hmm. he's well-meaning, but not understood. He's a friend to children and treats everyone similarly. And people see this as a threat to their way of life. Then he is killed by that government. And he is then resurrected and ascends to heaven. He's okay. space Jesus. He is space Jesus. Yeah. Which is where people think heaven is anyway. So In space? Yeah. Out there. Do people, like people who believe in a literal heaven, do they believe it's like a literal place? Well, I think it's like above. But it's like your soul goes there. You can't just like take a spaceship, can you? No, but I think that's where they assume it is, is like... Well, we do beyond, talk about above and Beyond below. the earth and like, I always kind of assumed it was space. So but they, that was me as a child being taken to church, so I could be wrong. Do they believe hell is like literally underground? Yes. That we could get there? Do we dig there? No, no. But we That's could dig- never brought up. It's just below. So like the fiery center of the earth would be what hell is like. Huh. And I, I don't mean this to uh, disparage anything, but if you believe in literal hell and heaven, uh-huh. please let me know if you think that it's an actual place to get to, whether hell you can physically get there below. Mm. I don't think so. I think it's like your soul goes there. But I'm not a heaven hell guy, so I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, and I, I only did religion when I was very young, so I feel like I'm not the right person to <laughs> speak on this either. And so many of our images of heaven and hell came along like in the 1900s. The whole clouds and harps and stuff, I think that's just from Three Stooges skits. <laughs> and hell, that's just Hieronymus Bosch. He invented what hell looks like. Hmm. The painter, and they're, he had very cool paintings. But I don't think they looked like that before. And angels are relatively new too, because I was showing you the other day what angels look like as described in the Bible. They're yeah. just feathers with thousands of eyes, essentially. Just terrifying. They're very scary looking. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that... This is something that I'd like to hear from, like, a person who, like, does religion. Who does religion? (laughs) Is that what you call it? A Christian. Who bees religious. Yeah, who bees religious. If you be religious, let us know. I'm curious. I like learning. I want to learn. I want to know. Oh, one thing I didn't mention, if we want to completely change topic now, (laughs) how would you like the score? fit i love it it is one of in my top 10 all-time favorite scores interesting okay. i think it's brilliant i didn't like it without the context 
That makes sense. You don't want to just listen to this the car driving around. I don't like theremin. I don't, yeah. It's not my favorite sound, but like with the context, it makes sense within the movie and I liked it. And the score was by Bernard Herrmann, mm-hmm. who we have talked about in the past because he did Psycho. He also did uh, Citizen Kane and Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver is a very good score. We'll get there eventually. That's one of your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who do like many great scores, like um, John Williams or Danny Elfman for modern people. Right, yeah. But all John Williams sounds like John Williams. Right. It's great, but it's like, oh yeah, this is John Williams. And if I hear a Danny Elfman score in a new movie I've never seen, I can tell it's him. Right. And that's not a good nor bad thing. Right. Most people say it's good because they have a signature style. Yeah. But what I think is most impressive about Bernard Herrmann is that he essentially creates and then epitomizes a style mm-hmm. every like 20 years or so. Oh, wow. Because he made this, like we think of Theremins and sci-fi because of him. Right. He. It, this sounds like it's probably really a cliche or redundant for movies like this. But no, he created that cliche. And the dark horn sections of Taxi Driver that he's going to do later, he epitomizes that. And then, like, all of those strings, like the Citizen Kane or um, Psycho psycho music. That, like, Yeah, he created that. And that is, like, such a, like, if you're talking about, like, a murderer or a horror movies, that's, like, the noise. People will literally make that noise while doing a stabbing motion. Yeah, there's people now who've never seen Psycho who will pick up a knife and go, yeah. Why do you make that sound? Bernard Herrmann. That's amazing. That Why do you make have... go woo for a flying saucer? Bernard Herrmann. Yeah. Why does a grimy New York street in the 70s sound like that? Bernard Herrmann. Interesting. He is yeah, truly amazing and one of the best composers for in film history in my mind. Hmm. Do you have any other fun little things you liked or noticed before we start wrapping up? Um, I... Don't think so. I I mean, we've kind of discussed a lot of the things that I've, like, pointed out in my brain when I was watching it. Um, Like Jesus, that he's basically just Jesus. Yeah. Um, But I I found it really interesting to hear your thoughts on some of this stuff. One line that I do have to point out is when there's these doctors saying, like, their medicine is so advanced. Who knows how they could live this long? And then they light up cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, well, you could stop that. That's your that first thing. That was pretty funny. Yeah, that was a great one. And how this movie starts and ends so abruptly. Yeah. Because at the end, he just goes like, here's my message. Um, peace. And he's out. Yeah. He just takes off. But let's take a look at that message. Because the idea that you humans have discovered atomic power now. Right. And when you're killing each other, whatever. We're mm-hmm. cool. But if you start taking that off your planet, we will fuck you up. Yeah. That's his message. Yeah. And you're like, okay, fair. But then there's this other layer that I completely forgot about. Because he then says, because we have these giant killer robots, they keep us in line. That's why we have peace. We're not some enlightened civilization that has learned to live without it. We are in a fascist totalitarian dictatorship where robots rule us and will kill us if we step out of line. Oh my god, the future. So that is conflicting to me. Yeah. 
it would have made so much sense if he's just like, we learn to accept everyone's differences and we all get along. That's what you'd expect. But instead he says, killer robots. That's why we have peace. Mm-hmm. Bizarre. Utterly bizarre. Do you have any thoughts on that? It feels like an allegory for what they thought the future would be like. You know, like like the Jetsons. Right? Like flying mm-hmm. cars and like robots that do all your chores and like... Yeah, but do all your chores is a far cry from, like, if you throw trash on your neighbor's lawn, they will smite you. <laughs> I wasn't done. <laughs> um, so I think that it felt like this was, like, the future. So it seemed through most of it that Klaatu was talking about his life and, like, what it's like on his planet. And it seemed like they were so, so advanced and that's exactly where the Earth was heading. So I think it's, like, a fear of the future, kind of. Oh, so the movie is scared of this progress as much as it's trying to embrace it. Yes. Like, that's what it felt like. It was like, oh, no, in the future, everyone will have a robot. Or in the future, everyone will become robots. And then it was like, Klaatu comes and is like, oh, yeah, no, we're controlled by killer robots. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it felt like it was like a fear of technology. Well, that makes sense because his arrival is dependent on uh, the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. So there is already a fear of technology from that. That's yeah. bringing about our downfall or that's Klaatu's uh, fear. Yes. I don't I don't know what I think about that. It's such a strange addition. This yeah. throwaway at the end of like, oh yeah, killer robots is why we have peace. It felt like there was a lot of kind of throwaway stuff like that. But that's a big one. That is a big one. I think it could be one of two things. Because there's so much Christian imagery in this with all of the Jesus stuff, or going from an Old Testament and then into a New Testament, Mm -hmm. that maybe there's an idea that I believe that most religions say that there is free will, but God has given you that free will. Right. And it seems like there is also a lot of ideas of, but you must then give yourself over to God. Because Mm -hmm. faith is just that. It's faith. It's like relinquishing power to some extent. So in giving yourself to God and just believing that God will do what's right, Mm -hmm. it's kind of the same in their, they're giving themselves into these, to these robots and trusting in the robots that the robots are almost the stand in from God. And then Klaatu is the Jesus figure. He's the son Mm -hmm. and he is the messenger of that world. And in the original short story, the big twist at the end is um, because he, the Klaatu character, gets killed very early. Right. And then the robot is around. And when they can finally communicate, and there's a whole story in the middle, mm-hmm. but they say to him, like, we killed your leader. We are so sorry, or whatever it is. And the robot's like, no, I'm the leader. I'm the master. Right. So if you take that into account, maybe Gort well, he is the master because he can kill Klaatu if Klaatu ever steps out of line mm-hmm. as well. Or this movie already has a very pessimistic take on on humanity. Right. How everyone reacts to Klaatu is, uh, is not great. And I do think it is realistic, but people are pretty much the worst in this one. Mm-hmm. So maybe the writers keep that going and they just can't imagine a world where people are good just for the sake of being good. Mm-hmm. And they say, that, look at us now. The only way we are going to behave well is if we are made to behave well. And then that's where the killer robots come from. True. Yeah. Grim. It, this is a grim episode. I don't like 
the parallels we're drawing between just like life on earth yeah this movie did win a special i think it was a golden globe award for um the movie that most like perpetuates international peace or world understanding or something like that they Mm. made a special award for that to give to this movie which is fun that's fun another fun thing uh the klatu barada nikto is maybe the most quoted thing that appears in other movies oh really like it's in uh, Army of Darkness, maybe most famously, the lines are used in everything from Star Wars to just, it's all over the place. Hmm. And now that you know it, you might get that, oh, we talked about it a while ago, that effect where you learn something and then you hear it everywhere. Yeah. Oh, now I forget what it's called. Anyways, that might happen. If aliens came today and gave us this warning, do you think we would heed it? No. I think we'd go into like defense mode and be like you don't know what you're talking about i think we would say like oh okay meanwhile half the world would be like no, this is a conspiracy that's not yeah, real exactly and then they would um i don't know end up killing muslim people because they blame them yeah that would happen and then the governments who did meet with the alien and believe the alien would be like oh sure and then they would just try to invent weapons to kill that same alien yeah that's probably what would happen probably because we kind of suck we do suck we suck so bad. All right. Well, that seems like a, a good place to end things. We suck so bad. Come on, humanity. Get it together. Get it together. We got preachy. We are maybe preachier than this movie was. Wow. But we're preaching about the movie, so it's justified. <laughs> yeah. So our second sponsor of the episode is Park Power, which is owned by Chris Kazowski, who has a growing and well-deserved reputation for being a guy who cares. If you're in the Edmonton area, you may have seen him around town in his signature bow tie sporting local causes and boosting local businesses. He walks that talk with his business, and that's why Park Power shares its profit with local charities. As a new customer, you can choose a community partner to receive 10% of the proceeds from your electricity bill, like the CKUA Radio Network, Boys and Girls Club of Strathcona County, Festival Place Cultural Arts Foundation, And if you would like to know more about switching your providers to Park Power, you can visit parkpower.ca slash CKUA to find out more. I bet he would listen to Klaatu. I'm sure he would. There you go. Well, that was a... um, Preachy episode? Yeah, it was. But it was a fun movie and it was something different. And uh, did you like... Just the idea of watching something very different than what you're used to. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. It was fun. It was it was fun to get into. It was fun because it wasn't another step up movie. Not that those aren't fun, but like it was a nice change. Change yeah. of pace. Yeah. We'll do more of those, I think. Okay. Maybe not 50 sci-fi, but not for a while at least. <laughs> All right. Well, we're pretty much done preaching at you for today. But join us again next week where we will each have a spoiler-free review, not a big in-depth discussion for our things of the week. Mm -hmm. And Samantha will let us know what we're watching for the big watch the week after. I hope it's more dancing. We'll see. If you're not familiar, go back and listen. We've been doing some step-up movies for Sam's Picks, and they've all been pretty fun. So many step-ups. And they just keep stepping up. So many more to go. And we still have not stepped up all the way up. Well, it's a big staircase. <laughs> okay, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.